Uh, I am a child of people who grew up in the sexual revolution, and I currently live in an age where sex sells. So I have seen an advert for toothpaste, which had on the front page, uh, on the same page where they're advertising the toothpaste, a woman in her bikini. What does that have to do with toothpaste? Nothing. I've seen an advert for a car, which has, right next to the car, a scantily dressed woman. What does that have to do with the car itself? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. The conversation that um, the world is engaged in at the minute is to do with how much you can get of what the other gender or what the other person has to offer. And sex is that immediate space that everybody seems to have turned to. And I dare you to watch uh, TV for an evening and not spot in all of the advertisements that will come, in all of the TV shows that will come, the link between um, the affirmation that people desire and sex. So, you shall not commit adultery. How do we enter this conversation? I was once asked um, what the recipe for a good relationship is. And I've only been married for eight years, so you can take this with a pinch of salt. This is what came out. Talk equals time equals intimacy. If you talk and you take the time to do so, you will know each other better. And that will help. Talk equals time equals intimacy. So on one level, you're speaking intellectually. So you'll speak about politics. You'll speak about books that you've read. You might speak about the, the places you like visiting. Like whenever I talk to someone about going to National Trust places, who loves the National Trust, our friendship grows. It's better. No? You might talk about the running you do on a Saturday. You might talk about the walking you do with your dog. You know, but when you talk and you take the time for each other, the relationship gets better. Yeah? Now, if you pray together and you talk about church together and you talk about the things you're learning from scripture together, you talk about how you're developing in the faith together and you spend time doing that, what happens? You become better Spiritual friends. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I have friends who have known me for 12, 13, 14 years, who were with me before I became a Christian, who became Christians at the same time as me, who we've gone through the Bible from one end to the other together, and are part of my story to this day. We still have conversations. These are the people who we've spoken for very long on a spiritual level. They know me really well because we've taken the time to do so. And actually, we're such good friends that if I say something, even, there's, even if there's a little sniff of uh, a bad way of understanding my faith, they will point their hands up and just say, hey, hey, Dennis, check that. Talk, time, intimacy. We come to church every Sunday. Do not forsake the gathering of the brethren, the Bible says. Why? Because talk 
time, intimacy. We become a family under God. Why? Because he's taken the time to tell us who he is. He's taken the time to tell us who he is. And he's still taking the time to tell us who he is. I'm a friend of God. Why? Because he has revealed himself through history to be the one to whom I should give my life to. So, intellectually, you can grow in intimacy. Spiritually, you can grow in intimacy. Who has ever sat on a plane next to someone they don't know, or a bus next to someone they've never met before? London is very famous for people being quiet next to each other on the tube. If you say hello to someone, it's, it's a no-no, isn't it? A bit of a, why are you saying hello? But who's traveled with a friend? You don't really like if, if your friend sits over there for the two-hour journey, do you? Why? Because you want the physical proximity. So there is something about intimacy that draws us to a place of physical proximity. You want to be close to those whom you know. And if you're around someone you know for longer, guess what? You want to be around them more. You want to be around them more. This is a good thing from God for us. But where does it turn into a recipe for disaster? Intimacy grows. This is something I've learned in my little life. Intimacy grows because it's a gift of God to expand us. It continues to grow. So if you spend time talking to the wrong person, spend time talking to the wrong person, spend time talking to the wrong person, what happens to your physical space, your sense of physicality with each other? It grows. It grows. And something that is very innocent and nice and good can turn into something that isn't. I'll return to this point. I say that just to bring us to the point of understanding that this world where sex is marketed does not have this conversation about intimacy. What they've successfully done is to gut out the very essential, important bit of sex and sexuality, the intimacy and put it in the bin. The conversation is sex, sex, sex. Sex is you being liberated and free to do whatever you want abstractly. You get whatever you want. This, there's no problem. It's just sex. It's just sex. But all things that are gifts from God aren't just what they are. It's a beautiful thing, it's a good thing, and the world has recognized it. But the pain in the world is from understanding that sex without intimacy is painful. Sex without intimacy is painful. And it's a lesson that's going to continue to be learned. An important part of the time that you spend with each other is that commitment to spend time with each other. Uh, who here has ever had a very lovely conversation with someone and then never met them again? It's, it's quite sad, isn't it? So the dialogue that is intellectual and spiritual 
is the same dialogue that is physical. The commitment is what reduces the pain. So imagine having a physical conversation with someone, which is what sex is, without the commitment. Pain is the outcome. Pain is the outcome. So that's where we find ourselves in this dialogue as we approach this commandment. When God says, do not commit adultery, he's not saying don't have sex. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying don't be intimate with people. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there are boundaries and these boundaries are fruitful and useful for a particular purpose. For a particular purpose. Where am I drawing this from? We have this miraculous thing called God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. The Son knows the Father and demonstrates it in the Bible where he talks to the Father. Father, if it's not, you know, if it is your will, take this cup away. We hear him having conversations. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. What does he say? I only do what I see my Father do. I and my Father are one. And then the father opens the clouds and says, ah, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. They're talking to each other. Because they're eternal beings, they have all the time in the world. (laughs) And as a result, we have this miracle, which is what intimacy is supposed to be, where different things are united into one. It's a miraculous thing. So in the very Godhead is the description of what intimacy should look like. Very different things, miraculously united. So when God gives the gift of relationship to humanity, what is, it, what is he saying? Seek this miracle of unity of difference. So if you're a single person here, guess what God's saying to you? Me and you are different but I still want this miracle to happen between us. I want it so much that I'm willing to come and look like you, die in your stead, give you my own spirit, take all of history to talk to you about who I am and what I've done, so that me and you can share in this intimacy, in our commitment forever. What does that mean? That means you have to buy into this Intimacy. Our God is a jealous God, so you have to commit to him and put him first and have the conversation that will develop your intellectual intimacy. Have the conversation that will develop your spiritual intimacy. Have the conversation that will develop your physical intimacy by limiting your body, which is his temple, to his purposes. So when the world says it's just sex, the Bible says absolutely no, it is not. It is not because this body is committed to the Lord God as his dwelling place. And so I cannot just share it with anybody. They have to prove their worth. They have to prove that they understand my worth. And until my Father in heaven says, this is okay, I cannot give you what is his. What is his? 
and where there is no commitment to the Father and there's no commitment to the people around him, we have a generation in pain. Generation in pain. If you want to have a painful reading before you go straight into prayer, read the statistics on pornography and and, uh, the addiction to it. Read the statistics on how many marriages are failing. Read the statistics on, on how many people are failing to find a partner. Why? Because what they see every day says to them, do not value the body of the person that you're going to be around because it's just sex. The Bible says, no, it's not. The body of the person you're going to be around is a temple for the Lord most high. So you have to value them enough to take the time to talk, to get to know, to understand where they're going, where they're being led by him, where you're going, where you're being led by him, and listen to the words of the Father as he draws you together or sends you to different parts of the world. It's not just sex. And if you're lucky enough to be one of those uh, whom God has called to that jealous relationship between himself and you, then you're in that perfect place to reflect Christ to everybody where he says, my body is not my own. It is poured out for all of you like an offering in absolute commitment to the Father. Absolute commitment to the Father. And then from there, build a relationship. If you're one of those who has ended up deeply in love with someone and married to someone, then you're in that space where God is saying to you, you are supposed to example this relationship I have with humanity in the commitment you have for each other, in the intimacy you share, intellectually, spiritually, and physically. Let the world see you and know this miracle of union, of difference, where you speak with one mind, you share the same heart, and you demonstrate a love that's deeper than just sex. I think that's a, that's a hard calling to which many people haven't responded to, the calling to reflect who God is to the world. And I suspect the world is suffering because they don't see the example of this deep, nurturing, godly relationship expressed in long commitment anymore. The stats on marriage inside the church and outside the church are the same. That's a travesty. That's a tragedy, I think. And it doesn't speak to the generation that I come from much about who God is. I'm not complaining too much because it speaks to us about what we are like and our inability to reflect God to everybody and draws us to the place of repentance. I hope. It means I can stand and say to people, we are trying but we're failing. But the failure is a big arrow pointing to the cross where God in his mercy expresses a commitment that's greater than our ability to fulfill it. Expresses a commitment that's greater than our ability to fulfill it. So you go from the stage where God is calling you into a relationship with him that is deep, intimate, and committed to where God's calling you alongside someone else 
to represent what he is to the world. And then you land yourself where this commandment comes. And God says, do not commit adultery. So now before you give it up for Lent, the question is why? The moment you do so, you step out of the calling of God. With the good gifts he's given you of sex and intimacy with someone, you step out of that and away from representing him to the world as a duo. You step away from representing him to him by yourself, presenting yourself to him as a body committed to him. And the result is pain. The result is pain. Pain for you. And understandably, you can hear God's wrath brewing because he is a jealous God. I want you to swim in good waters. So when I put these limits before you, it's to keep you in the waters that are safe for you to swim in. When you jump out and go into the world with sharks, that breaks my heart as your father. That breaks my heart. That's the calling. Do not commit adultery because it is not good for you and it's not good for the world. It's not good for you and it's not good for the world. We are supposed to speak a different, a different story than the one that currently is prevalent. But God is merciful. And I love the story of the adulterous woman, the woman caught in adultery, where those who are obeying the law in this particular area, who hadn't given up other things for Lent, bring this lady and about to stone her. She's there, they're about to stone her. And Jesus comes along. Uh, that's how I think Jesus moved around. He just kind of jogged from here to there. Um, <laughs> he comes along. <laughs> Jesus comes along. And everybody looks at him and goes, here's the teacher. This is the teacher, the great teacher. What's he going to do? And he says, okay, if you've not sinned, if your relationship with God is perfect in intimacy, if you've committed yourself to God absolutely without failure, you pick up the stone and be the first one to stone this lady. Then he starts to draw. I don't know what he drew. A boat, a bird, I don't know, a chicken. Something he's writing on the, on the floor. One by one, what happens? People drop their stones and go. Drop their stones and go. Now, what does Jesus say? No one's condemned you, neither will I. Go and sin no more. It's a rebuke to uh, those who pass judgment on others when they come in repentance. But I think it's, it speaks more to the fact that our God is not an adulterous God, He is absolutely faithful and the standard he asks us to keep is one that he keeps absolutely when we are faithless he is faithful when we turn away he chases after us and even when we try to come back he lifts up his dress and runs a good distance so that he can bring us home himself so that he can bring us home 
himself. Do not commit adultery because I am a faithful God and my commitment to you is absolute. Join me in this commitment and let us grow in intimacy and heal the world in love. May God bless his word to us today. Amen.